The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us today to talk Jan 6 Select Committee hearings is Ryan Riley, NBC News Justice Reporter. So I actually, my first question is a clarification because I might have misstated something this morning and I want to make sure that I get it correct. So Ryan, what is the focus of today's hearings? Previously, the reporting was that The third hearing was going to focus on the pressure campaign at the Department of Justice. But this morning, there's new reporting that they're focusing on Mike Pence, his security situation, and whether or not, um, you know, Trump knew that the Capitol had been breached when Pence was sort of whisked away to the undisclosed location. What is the focus of today's hearing? Because I'm confused. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so today is Pence. What happened uh, this week is they you know, they canceled the Wednesday hearing, but instead of the Wednesday getting moved back to Thursday, uh, Wednesday just got moved to next week. So we, they skipped the DOJ component. Um, so that'll return to that next week. Uh, for now, uh, we're going to be focusing on uh, the, Pence, um, the Pence security situation. Today, we're going to hear from, uh, I believe, uh, you know, someone in, in, in uh, his staff and just talk about the security uh, situation. I think uh, one of my colleagues reported but they're going to talk about this idea that Pence was, you know, one pain away, one window pane away from uh, the mob and that Trump knew um, that, you know, when he sent that tweet about Mike Pence, he knew that the Capitol had been had been breached. So that's like sort of an important component of this, because obviously his his vice president was in a lot of danger at that moment. Whoa. So this is new. It's actually new information in terms of the window pane um, imagery. It just gave me goosebumps. Um, so I, I want to make sure that everybody understands that I was incorrect earlier in the show when I said the third hearing was going to focus on the Department of Justice. That is going to be next week. Today's hearing, starting at one o'clock, as Ryan said, is going to focus on Pence. So are we going to see, um, you know, I, I know Mark Short, Pence's chief of staff, um, who we've seen a clip of previously in the second hearing, but um, who obviously is going to have just as much information as Mike Pence would. Um, and because rules of evidence don't apply, we can just go to Mark Short for this information. He's not going to appear at this hearing, but he's expected to appear in deposition video. I mean, what what can what do should we anticipate um, from, you know, the Pence perspective, given we know that I mean, at the time, they don't know Donald Trump knows that they're in danger. But but um, perhaps by the time Mark Short is testifying, he does know that. So. What, what can we anticipate from some of the testimony we're going to hear today? Right. I mean, one thing that unfortunately we're not going to hear uh, that would be of great value was what discussions um, uh, Donald Trump had had with Kevin McCarthy around this mm-hmm. time, because we've heard that relayed through other members of Congress, how, you know, what has been reported is that Donald Trump made some comment um, along the lines of, well, maybe they care more about election integrity um, than you do, right? Like, so sort of supporting uh, the mob that had broken into the right. Capitol. Um, so 
I think that that's, you know, what this will lay out is more of the timeline, what we know of what Trump knew at that moment uh, when he sent that tweet uh, that obviously, you know, I mean, the mob was hanging on on Trump's every word. I, I remember I've seen videos before of situations where, you know, as people are hammering away at police officers in the tunnel, there's moments where, uh, you know, there's someone on a bullhorn reading aloud Trump's tweets, right? Like, like, and then there's, you know, eventually when he said something about uh, go home, then the mob sort of, you know, breaks with that and says that, you know, <laughs> they're not going to follow that direction necessarily to leave uh, the area, even eventually when, you know, after however many minutes later into the evening, Trump eventually sent that uh, tweet. Um, but I mean, that, so, I mean, Trump's tweet was important. I mean, a lot of these mm-hmm. folks were getting updates on that on their phone. Everyone had that communications device. So whatever he said, in these moments is, is very important. And I mean, we saw people going through the Capitol chanting, hang Mike Pence. So that's a, a pretty direct link in terms of, you know, ha- calling out Mike Pence that, you know, Mike Pence didn't have the, the courage to do what was right, uh, is what, you know, Trump had, had said, and he had previewed that during his speech. So there is just this, this link. And I think that that's going to be laid out in pretty stark terms uh, during today's hearing. This is wild (laughs) when we think i mean sometimes i think that we are too calm when we talk about this like okay so just to sort of summarize what 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 the committee as you just said is expected to lay out the president of the united states his supporters who were violently attacking the capitol after a rally where he told them to go to the capitol i mean whether or not you think he incited the violence or not i don't even think that's even like part of the story that the committee is going to be telling today, as you, as you just explained, like they're going to talk about the fact that after the violence started, so whether or not he caused the violence is not the point. The violence has started <laughs> and Donald Trump had a decision. He could, he could tell people go home. Violence is bad. Be peaceful, all that. Or he could do what he did, which is tweet out a, you know, something that was read from bullhorns during the violent insurrection and attack on the Capitol. I mean, do you sometimes think that <laughs> we're too calm when we say that, like, the president uh, either intentionally or not, like, he put the vice president in danger and then even after knowing he was in danger, didn't try to stop the danger. <laughs> like, he, he <laughs> I, I can't believe yeah. this sounds like a movie, but it's really something that happened. Yeah, I know, there's definitely that that degree of, um, you know, the frog in the slowly boiling pot of water um, (laughs) situation here, because, you know, immediately afterwards, everyone sort of condemned this. And I mean, I think there was even just more agreement. This was an insurrection. And now, like, we've seen the the split where Republicans believe it's politically, you know, realize how politically awful and inconvenient this is, especially when Trump still has a grip on their base that, you know, we've seen that sort of slip. You know, there's this agreement. I One thing I always sort of think of is even if Republicans weren't on board with impeachment right away, the backup to that, that a lot of Republicans sort of either implicitly or directly suggested was that, you know, there's criminal exposure here, right. that this was going to be a criminal investigation. That was the alternative, right? And, and I think that what that kind of failed to realize, you know, necessarily is that, you know, it is, I think there's obviously still a way to charge Trump and that's something that's very open, but it is still a very complicated matter to charge a former president. And there, you know, you have to find statutes which apply to this, this behavior. And there's a lot of legal experts who say that, it, you know, there are applicable, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, laws that you could apply to this, but it's not just like, it's not as though there's just a strictly written like criminal offense, you know, like 
just that spells out exactly precisely what this is. Um, it's a little, it takes a little bit of, of creativity. So, um, and I think that that's like, you know, it's a, it's a weird situation because we have gotten away from, I think the anger that was felt on both sides of the aisle when, uh, to a certain degree, uh, when the Capitol came under attack and when people were running from the mob. I mean, the video that really stuck out to me was watching Kevin McCarthy's own staffers flee their office, right. right? Like that was the video that really was just like, there it is, like, right? Like the, his own staffers were in danger. And it is this amazing thing where they have to kind of pretend like this wasn't a big deal and, you know, pretend like this is this is all, all fine and it's overblown when in reality, you know, you have a deadly attack on the U.S. Capitol, which, you know, took the lives of numerous Trump supporters, um, an individual, you know, a cop died a day after two cops died by, at least two cops died by suicide. Um, because, you know, one of the, one of which, one of those deaths has been declared in the line of duty because it was directly mm. related to um, an assault on that officer um, as declared by both medical examiners and by uh, now formally uh, the Metropolitan Police Department. So it's, it is, I mean, this was a deadly attack, right? This was a pretty brutal, awful attack. People still have scars. People are still recovering from it, but they have to downplay what this was. It's so wild to think about the fact that you could attempt to downplay this. Um, when, when you had, it wasn't just an attack on the Capitol. It's like, it's an attack on the Capitol, but nobody's inside. Like, you know, th that's not what happened. The attack on the Capitol happened with, what the committee is saying, the intention of delaying the certification and in that meaning the vice president and the speaker of the house uh, and Chuck Grassley, <laughs> they were in the building. <laughs> um, Chuck Schumer, we're, they were all in the building. The line of secession is in the building. And the president who's at the top of the line of secession is finding out that his vice president may be in danger, is being whisked away, and as you said, a window pane from the mob, which I think is a new detail you said is going to be revealed today, which gave me chills. Um, you know, we're talking about um, the most serious, not political scandal, but the most one of the most serious things that's ever happened in the history of our government. I also want to ask about um, Ginny Thomas, <laughs> because um, I'm I I'm like Ginny was doing the most um she was texting everybody she was emailing everyone she was really really trying very hard um to overturn the election allegedly based on the evidence um and reporting by the washington post how do you see that factoring into these committee hearings obviously this is new information because john eastman's documents are now finally um you know in uh chunks going over to the committee um based on judge judge carter's court rulings you know, there is a debate, there's a reported debate between committee members as to how much to talk about Jenny Thomas. Um, how do you see that factoring mm. in? I mean, do we add a hearing about Jenny? Because <laughs> she was doing a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really shows how widespread I think this was. Because, you know, there's, <laughs> I remember during that period between the election and, and January 6th, sort of talking about this idea that there's this awful game that we all have to I have to play with every politician um, and with every major figure who subscribed to this sort of stuff, right? And it's whether or not they actually had this these like uh, you know brainworms over voter fraud, or whether they were doing this strictly in in uh, in service of 
awful, like of bad political goals, right? And neither option is good, but it's like whether they actually believe this or whether they were just doing this to appease their base. And that's like the awful sort of situation that you're left in. You're trying to figure out, is this person actually that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, right? Detached like, is that reality? person actually detached <laughs> from reality? Sure, Bill let's Barr. go with that, yes. <laughs> yes, is that person that detached from reality or is that person just doing this for awful, because really cynical, awful, political purposes. And I think that's the debate you have to have with all of these individuals. And, and some folks, it's like just very clear that they're just appeasing the base, right? I think that like, you know, leadership who aren't just really, you know, <laughs> lost and detached from reality, let's say, uh, those individuals and clearly were just doing this in support of a political goal, which, you know, they, cause they had to appease their base. And then, but there is this contingent of people. And I think Jenny Thomas is in that category that is actually that detached from reality and actually believes this nonsense. And, you know, the dominion voting things and the, you know, and just all sorts of complete nonsense that was thrown out there that they're, you know, reading on whatever nut job website that you can, you can find on your Facebook feed. Um, I, that's the real dilemma that I think you're, <laughs> you're, you're facing down in a lot of these scenarios. I think that Jenny Thomas certainly, seems like fits into that in that category of just sort of lost and doesn't understand you know the internet and sort of detached from reality and is contacting these very important people it seems like john eastman is also sort of in that category it's a true believer right like but that's who you had to go to because every as we've seen in these hearings before nobody like you know no these college educated real like lawyers who were you know went to law school and went through these processes and are actually accomplished in their field of course really actually believe this even if they wanted you know, even if deep in their heart they wanted Donald Trump to win, they were part of the Trump campaign. They put in every effort that they possibly could. They still couldn't subscribe to these sort of crazy right. conspiracy theories that were being put out there. So that's why you have to get like some John Eastman character who, you know, pull him from, you know, the C-level, you know, D-level, whatever category that you want to pull him from, right? Some random guy nobody's ever heard of before. You got to pop him out and put him in charge. And that's why you got to get like, you know, your, you know, your Sydney Powell's and all of these mm -hmm. sort of you know, crazy people on the fringes to sort of go forward. Of course, Rudy Giuliani is sort of in a different category because he sort of has had a different sort of trajectory over the course of his of his career because um, he wasn't necessarily this sort of D-level person, but um, that's where he has he's, he's sort of ended up at. Imagine ending up in the story as the drunk character in the White House on election night <laughs> telling the president, um, I really, just tell him it's rigged. You know, like, I can't I wait really, for, I really for the movie. Enjoyed... <laughs> Yeah, I really enjoyed how like everyone was like, you know, every political reporter in the country is like experienced and inebriated Rudy Giuliani. But Followed yet, the like, course recommended still... by an apparently inebriated Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> <laughs> we just have that clip on on standby uh, whenever we need to play it. Right. It's the way she said it, too, I think, an apparently inebriated Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> like, it's just like, that's where we are. That's where we are. So my last question, yeah. actually, in the last I think we have four more minutes four or five more minutes. I want to talk about Barry Loudermilk because that was the other piece. I mean, the, the way the committee is when they're not having public hearings, utilizing social media on the off days to, you know, take the attention, capture the attention of the public um, yeah. with additional pieces of information. You have the lawyer for John, uh, who talked to John Eastman basically being like, get an effing criminal defense attorney. So that was another social media video. But then yesterday, the committee posted surveillance video of uh folks who were at the insurrection filming themselves saying we're coming in there for chuck schumer and nancy pelosi and aoc right. so really nice guys um taking photographs um on a tour of the capitol the day before the insurrection of staircases security checkpoints and exits um 
how should we be processing the fact that, I mean, as this committee is going on, it's, you know, today we're focusing on Mike Pence, but also we have sitting members of Congress who are potentially a part of this conspiracy that they're laying out. Yeah. So I think with the Ladder Milk videos, it's certainly something that the committee had ample reason to want to look into um, because you had the situation where they're not, they're in the Capitol complex. These people are taking a lot of photos, and especially when you realize that the person who is taking those photos made these awful comments the next day and filmed someone who had, you know, a, a sharpened flagpole saying that it was destined for someone. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, what Laddermilk has said is that, you know, this was just a family. They didn't make any comments, you know, they didn't make any extreme comments that, that day. But I think this is sort of, if anything, this illustrates just the inherent danger of of the big lie, because, you know, the way that Laddermilk is portraying this is like, oh, listen, it's just a constituent family that came in. They've never been to D.C. before. They wanted to take a lot of photos. And, you know, I've seen, the, like, I know who this individual is, right? Like, I've, I've, wa- I've watched all of his videos. And if you watch them, they, like, some of them are just filming, like, oh, like, this is an interesting, you know, sort of display. He makes these, like, awful comments. But there also was this plan for individuals to scout out the the capital right like there was the original plan as we saw come out in court documents yesterday that the proud boys mm-hmm. subscribed to was to actually go into the capitol violating the Sturm bell rule i should add do not take no correct <laughs> <Very much. laughs> not a good idea yes yes <laughs> not a great idea <laughs> um but that like that was the plan so there's ample reason to investigate that i think for sure I mean, let's talk about that Proud Boys document because there's a lot of document. I mean, first of all, there's a lot of memos going around. We got the Eastman memo. We got the 1776 returns. We have the Proud Boys talking about what their plan is to do an insurrection coup situation before they do it. They wrote it down. I would not advise that, but they did. Um, How is the committee planning on utilizing... Because all this, a lot of this stuff is new coming out while these committee hearings are going on. And it feels like it's also relevant to what they're talking about. So are they, do you think they'll be able to utilize some of the new information that they're getting? Because Eastman, the Eastman stuff with Jenny Thomas's emails, that's brand new. They just went through those documents because of the the court ruling. So it feels like this is very fluid. Yeah, I mean, the wheels of justice grind slowly, right? I think that's something that I was trying to get out like very early on into the situation is that like, I think that there's this idea that like, okay, like, yeah, these people are going to be arrested. But like, no, this is like, this is five, this is a five-year situation, right? That's yeah. it. And that's like, just the start point of when you can, you know, the statute of limitations on some of these crimes is, is five years. So that's when, you know, we could still be seeing, think about that, just play that out early twenty. 2016 uh, or 2026, rather, right, right, right. 2026, we could see uh, new cases being being brought because that still would be within the statute of limitations for a crime committed in early 2021. So um, it's going to be a long thing. I mean, there are hundreds more of these criminal cases to go, hundreds of additional rioters who have been identified by online sleuths who still haven't been arrested yet, including, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens on the FBI's webpage currently um, who are wanted for violent acts. So, and then, you know, we're still, we still haven't come up on the big trials, the big trials, the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, those are still coming up in the, in the coming months. We're going to learn a lot more there. um, And we're going to see more cases against individuals in that orbit. I think that the big question for me right now is where's that overlap between the White House and these extremist groups who were planning this and who were sort of spelling it out. And I think that, you know, we've seen some indications of that so far that there are ties between 
uh, pretty clear ties between the Oath Keepers, um, the Proud Boys, and the White House. You know, obviously we saw Enrique Tario was on a White House tour before, during right. a month before, less than a month before the um, the Capitol attack. So there's a lot of open questions, and I think the committee is going to answer some of them. But this is going to be something that's going to even go further past uh, the committee's hearings. It's important to keep in mind it doesn't just end with the six hearings and you know what happens through election day 2022 that the FBI is going to continue to work and we don't know what they're going to do in terms of charging Trump or any of the the higher ups but they're certainly going to have their work cut out for them in charging just the people who did break the windows and do the violent things um, on January 6th because as you said hundreds more cases to go. Ryan Riley thank you so much for the update. Um, author of Sedition Hunters about all of the online sleuths that helped the FBI basically identify these folks um, from videos and other evidence. Um, I love that story so much. I can't wait for the movie and docuseries that comes out um, about that. Um, Thank you so much for helping us walk through this. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday. 